Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Ready to Mosh. I'm Kev P and alongside me is the alien to my weaponry. It's Jam G. Calling me an alien? Yeah. Okay, I do. <laughs> Been called worse. Yeah, I'm sure. Right, so this week we have guest interview and we've got Charlie and Joel from Harbinger, who we've seen before and it does seem a long time ago, uh, but we saw them at Mangata. Yeah, back in July. Feels a lifetime ago. It, it does. about two months. <laughs> and we had a chat with them before they play at Dolby Alt Fest in a couple of weeks on the Friday. Right, so for this episode, we've got a very special guest interview, uh, one of the bands that we're looking forward to seeing, which are Harbinger, and we've got Charlie and Joel. How are you doing, guys? Oh, good. Hey, doing good. Yeah, all good. Excellent. So we'll kick straight off. Um, do you guys want to tell us, kind of, for people who maybe aren't familiar with you, um, sort of like how the band began? I, I could go into like real detail on exactly how the band started, which would be a very long story. But uh, I'll cut it down. Essentially, um, I went to a festival uh, in 2013 called Tech Fest, which unfortunately is no longer running at the moment. Um, I met our bass player at the time, uh, Milky, and um, we hit it off like a house on fire, got on really well. He was saying like, oh, he uh, he needs a drummer for his band. And I just left my band at that time. So I signed up with his band, um, which was called Immerse at the time. Um, and then eventually that sort of evolved into becoming Harbinger. And then Charlie and Ben and uh, Tom all, all tagged along as well. And then we eventually got Dylan later on down the line. And that's kind of like the history of it. The uh, snapshot. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, I've, I've like, there's like an hour long story I could tell you just on how everything really started and evolved over time. But um, I don't think we have time for that today. <laughs> and in terms of your influences then, are you all pretty similar in the band or is there quite a lot of variety across everyone? Big, big variety for sure. Yeah. We all have our like similarities for sure. Like I'm pretty sure certain everyone in the band loves Gajira equally. But then we have like our fan favorites, like like my my, my favorite band of all time, Fear Factory. I'm pretty sure Dylan's is uh... Black Dahlia Murder, maybe. I was going to say that's yours. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The Black Dahlia Murder are definitely one of my favorites. Uh, but I think yeah, that's where me and Dylan cross over because he loves them too. Yeah. I'm trying to think, who were you thinking for Dylan? Oh, I know Ben loves Decapitated. Yeah. That's definitely his favorite. And then. Milky's is um, Coheed and Cambria. Coheed and Cambria, that's it. I couldn't remember the name. Um, oh, I can't remember the band's name. It's it's I, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I know who it is. And as soon as someone says it, I'll be like, "That's Dylan's favorite band." Parkway Drive, old old Parkway Drive. No, probably not. I mean, everyone loves old yeah. Parkway Drive, <laughs> and maybe not new stuff, but you know. Yeah, I think I think probably uh, along with between um, along with Black Dahlia Murder, between the Barrier and me, like one of my favorite bands of all time so it's sort of i bring in i bring in the prog influence a little bit even though we don't we don't sneak that much of it into our into our sound but um yeah even the riffing side of between the buried me uh, i think comes out in my style of, um but i think more more recently i'm like i've always loved death metal but like i'm, I'm so into like death metal bands at the moment <laughs> like there's just a there's like a whole whole uh wave of of uh, old and, and new death metal bands that are just killing it at the moment. Um, so that's pretty pretty great. So songwriting process for you guys, kind of how does that sort of become, you know, where does it start and to get to kind of a completed song? This is, uh, this is something that we're actually evolving at the moment and uh, with the last release, uh, A Letter to Anguish, 
Um, we uh, we evolved the writing process a bit. Um, I think, in fact, we we have done since the first single. So the uh, the band released a single called Human Wisdom before I joined. And then I joined shortly after that. So uh, you guys were just playing with as a five piece with like another guitar on the backing track, weren't you? I think. Yeah, yeah, just a four piece. And then I don't even think four we had a backing piece, track sorry, at yeah. that point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think when I eventually saw the band, um, cause Ben, our other guitarist, was like, oh man, you've got to come and see, uh, see my new band. Um, cause me and Ben had like played multiple shows. I think maybe even like, uh, my old band and Joel's old band might have played a show together, you know, like just uh, the the whole scene, like we, we definitely crossed over at points, but didn't necessarily know each other. But uh, me and Ben knew each other quite well. And he was like, you got to come and see us. And, and I, I missed them like the, the, the t- first two or three times I tried to, <laughs> tried to catch the set. And then when I finally did uh, catch the set, which was uh, funny enough, it was another tech fest um, uh, show in Croydon uh, I think it was a tech habilitation or something like that oh was it it was a was it the scream lounge gig where we were yeah. the, like not so secret band no that I was in the band then for that one. Oh yeah of course you were yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but the um I remember I think it was like November 2015 and I uh just watched watched the guys play and I wasn't really doing anything band wise then and uh I just said to Ben like what are you gonna do with another guitarist and he he was like raising his eyebrows like why <laughs> you know just like you're in if you want to be in mate like <laughs> still auditions and stuff but um but yeah i guess that goes back to the story of like like uh how the band came to be but um with the with the writing process um the the first ep was already written when i joined so but um the guys are very open to me bringing in some influence to it so like i had a few ideas and we jammed some stuff in the rehearsal space and and then we recorded that one and then um and then it sort of evolved into me and ben started working a bit together because ben would like come up with the like mains as i like to call them skeletons of like the songs and then the rest of the rest of us would like bring our part to to the songs uh or our flair to the songs and then it would become a harbinger track but uh yeah from the second ep human dust i would work a bit more closer to ben and i would have some skeletons of songs and then with the album compelled to suffer that became even more of a thing um but when um when tom left and um dylan joined the band it was very clear that a lot of us wanted more input into the songwriting side of it like we all want we all had ideas and stuff like that so we started to become more collaborative and we came around here um around mine and we had like multiple meetings where we'd like listen to demos and chat about them and work on arrangements together and and that's something that we really want to do going forward. Um, you know, like our next step, because we've got loads of demos to work on, but we want to be together and turn them into Harbinger tracks rather than um, whether that's like on Zoom or on Discord, like talking about it and working on projects whilst we have like um, Logic open or Reaper open. And um, or we actually we, we'd really love to get in the room together and just uh, see what happens. So. Uh, it's evolving process and yourself and i have literally written parts together just like through discord and zoom where like yeah you would have a riff and i'd be like oh can you change it this way i'm gonna write a drum pan to it and i send it over to you and then you re-record it and it's like oh that sounds sick like let's use that yeah that's a it's a really interesting thing because we all live very far apart from each other now and um the fact that 
that seems to work. Like I, I want to do, me and Joel both want to do more of that where literally just like this online and I've got like logic open and I've got, I've got this riff idea. Have you got any drum parts? And then here quickly, like program it out and send it to me. And then I'll just put it in the project and we listen back and it's like, wow, you know, yeah, this is really working. And, you know, by the end of like an hour or two, we've got like a, a, like a demo idea of like a song. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, using technology is like a big, big thing for us, I guess. Yeah, it, was, it was a really, really like efficient exercise that we got to try out. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. For someone who's new to Harbinger, then what three tracks would you recommend that they listen to as a starting point? Should we give you three each or? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm interested to see what Joel would say. As and I'm just I'm just trying to remember my, my own band's song names, to be honest, at first. Like, uh... <laughs> You can play. You can play them, but can't remember the names. Yeah, I can play them, but I can never remember the names. Yeah, in 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 the in is live. We have like cues saying what song it is coming up next. You <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in, in a really funny voice as well, which Dylan recorded. Yeah, just sound. Yeah, it's like basically just like a robot impression or something like that. Um, I I would say, I think of what Harbinger is now. My opinion would be some something from the new record, a letter to anguish. And I think I reckon Hate File, Guile, and Prayer of Deliverance are probably the three that yeah, show show what Harbinger's all about and then and maybe what we're gonna be about in the future, but who knows really <laughs> how how the next record will come out. But we do the thing is there's like tracks like Letter to Anguish and Guiltless, which are a bit more melodic, which is also part of our sound. Like we kind of a few a lot of people have interviewed us before have sort of said you can't they haven't been able to pigeonhole us into a certain subgenre of metal and I think that's really what we're about like just doing what doing what we feel is right and what we enjoy and writing writing for ourselves as much as for other people to enjoy it you know um, I think uh, writing for ourselves comes first mm, for sure um, I think I'd have to say the same three songs but if i could swap one out i'd probably swap guile with uh antagonist because that's got um some really big parts in it which um yeah kind of kind of add like sing-alongs in a way because like the like the vocals aren't super intense in like the chorus and that like, you can actually understand what dylan's saying which i know is like a a difficulty most regular people have when listening to metal they always go oh is it that screamo stuff it's like <laughs> off you know and uh yeah, so you can actually understand what Dylan's saying. You can maybe like relate to it a bit more in some way or another. And um, yeah, it's, it's a definitely definitely more of a progress song compared to the to the other two. So yeah, Hate File, Antagonist, and Prayer Deliverance for me. Yeah, Antagonist was on the tip of my tongue. I, mean, I think that's a big thing about our sound that we want to bring forward is like the as um, the person that wrote our bio sort of described uh, anthemic choruses. You know the the kind of like big big choruses which kind of um, sound epic and they're almost like sing-alongs, but but they still got that gritty metal kind of tone to them. I think that's yeah, something sure. to bring for bring forward for for future releases. Like actually thinking, okay, what is a chorus in this song? Is there a chorus? Um, but then again, you know, some sometimes there'll be songs where it's like there's no no it's a progressive structure rather than like a a b a b c or whatever you know kind of typical song structure and uh 
just on new music. So what are the plans for new music for you guys? And um, will you be playing any at Derby Alt Fest if there's uh, some in the pipeline? <laughs> I don't think we'll be playing anything new at, at Derby Alt Fest, unfortunately. Um, we tried. We tried to at Tech Fest. Yeah, we put. We played. We we wanted to play like a new song, but nothing was. We weren't in the situation. Well, we weren't in at the time. We weren't in the situation where we could like say okay th- this song we're definitely going to you know release or you know um i think we were all kind of that that's something that we still need to do get together and decide okay you know which songs do we want to take forward this time and do we want to write something completely new like does anybody have any so we weren't we're not really in the position to to play a new song i think cuz uh so since we we did a lot of touring last year and then um, the, we finished off in February where we did like a little run in Ireland. And uh, we all said after that, we were like, look, no, no more gigging. Like we need to actually take time off gigging to focus on writing. I think that's something that we've we've really realized now is that, you know, we're taking a lot of time to go and play gigs, but we're not taking time to just get together and and finalize new material. So um we said that and then we had a bit of a break after the island tour and then shows started getting booked for spring and summer and now we've had a a fairly busy well we've had yeah pretty busy uh, spring and summer and um now we've just got like a few shows to finish off in october and and it's like oh where's the time gone um so yeah it's kind of uh time has passed really quickly for us um, so now we actually have to be though. Let's let's be sensible and not play any more gigs until we have at least like a couple of new singles to uh, to release. So that I think that's our plan. First, do like a couple more singles, like two or three maybe, and um, and then uh, see see how they land and and go and and see what what tours come up for twenty twenty four. And um, I think most of us are hoping that in twenty twenty four, sometime we actually take some time out and write an album together because that's not really what with the last um full length album we uh we didn't we didn't do that it was very much like here's some like ben had some song skeletons i had some song skeletons and 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 then it was like okay which ones do we want to be on the album okay let's finalize them but we didn't really do too many tweaks to them whereas actually we want to be like together so that if somebody's just got an idea in a moment that everybody's digging it's like okay let's turn this into a song clearly like everybody's loving it so yeah i think that, that that's about right isn't it joel that few singles and then maybe sometime next year write full length um yeah i think so yeah yeah it's uh it's kind of because you never know we might release uh we definitely want to get some new songs out like we're so desperate to do it and that's why we would need to take some time out because otherwise i think we'd probably all get a bit miserable like we love obviously love the songs that we're playing and, and we've written but um there's that kind of creative need of like something new we all need to like create something new and we want to start playing something new and you know uh people that support the band are saying like oh, i can't wait for the next thing so that kind of like pushes us a bit more so i think once we've done that see what happens because you never know we might end up with like another couple of uk tours another european tour then some festivals and then that's another year gone 
but if that happens that's amazing of course but um you know if that happens then again we'd have to be like nope no more gigs we're gonna write an album <laughs> you know <laughs> so but you know for nothing nothing comes up because we're an independent band we don't have like a full-time booking agent we manage ourselves and there's only like a few people that we sort of regularly work with for like pr and it's not like we can kind of go like okay we want to do like a some extensive touring and festivals then uh there's a there's a few booking agents that we do go to and we work with but they're not we're not full full time with them and and um so so it's kind of like it's hard to as an independent band to be like yes we're definitely going to be doing this next year like we we're we're planned for it but if those tours don't come through or we don't get those festival slots it's kind of like okay okay maybe we'll book our own tour like short tour and then and then just spend the time getting loads of other new music ready so we've been quite lucky especially last year because of the the tours we got offered but Mm. Um, I think that's the scary thing. You can't always rely on it <laughs> until you've actually, you know, you're, you've like signed a deal with like a booking agent or a label or something like that, you know. So just looking back at Compelled to Suffer then, you released an instrumental version of that. We were just wondering what the reasoning behind doing the instrumental version was. Yes, um, it was the transition between us working on new material because I think uh, Compelled to Suffer came out May 2019 and then Tom left at the end of 2019, like our old vocalist. And Dylan had actually joined a few months later, but we didn't announce him till 2021. So we were working with him behind the scenes for a long time. And um, we weren't quite there with the, I guess, the mini album or the EP, Letter to Anguish, that we were releasing. So we we're like, oh, that's kind of what about if we do an instrumental ver like release an instrumental version like there was lots of bands doing it or they're still doing it and uh the big thing was because we released a tab book for compelled to suffer which behind me over there <laughs> there's like a hard book tab book that we we put together like ben put a lot of hours into making sure that all the tabs were correct and there was a lot of to and fro between me and and uh chris our bassist just kind of making sure that all the parts were right with Ben. And so, yeah, we released that and we we thought that releasing an instrumental version of the album would be good to go hand in hand with that. And I think that's something that we'd like to do again. Like we've definitely, we've, we've put together all the tabs for like the new release, like A Letter to Anguish. Um, we might not release it physically at the moment, but I think if we, once we release those digitally on our website, and we might release digital versions of the last release too. Um, but that that was the main thing, so that people could actually listen to it without the vocals and um, just get maybe get a little a different perspective, even though it's it's the same mix as the the normal album, just without the vocals there as a layer. Um, they might just get a different perspective of the songs. Okay, so we've seen you guys live before. Uh, but for anybody who hasn't, what can they expect? Just a good metal show, really. Like, uh, <laughs> that's just a good metal show, mate. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, for real, for real. Like, I, I think we bring like, a really good, uh, a really good energy to our show, and um, I've always had like really good positive feedback from people. Apart from this one guy who at Tech Fest, uh, he just he was really like steaming drunk. He came up to us and he's like, "You guys in the open show?" And we're like. Yeah, he's like, wow, you guys absolutely sucked. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> what was um, that this year? 
No, no, no. This was like twenty. The first year, or I think it was twenty nineteen. Oh um, right, okay. So when we released Compelled to Suffer, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no, because I think Dylan was in the band at the time. Um, oh really? So he, that he, yeah. He he was saying that like uh, there was like another band who he absolutely loved. I remember he was wearing the same shirt as them, and I was just like, okay, he's definitely a fanboy for those guys. So it's all right. Everyone's got their opinion. It's okay. Um, but yeah, that that was funny uh, for me. Anyway, I love that. that yeah, moment. I had um, no idea that somebody said that. Yeah, you you, you might have been in like your Airbnb. I can't remember. Um, yeah, but yeah, for a Harbinger show, just like expect to come and have fun and like enjoy a good metal show. Like, uh, I I don't think we we can get really pigeonholed into anything. I just like it's just a metal show with us because we are just a metal band. Like, I've, I've always been like about that sort of statement. Like, people will try and pigeonhole us into like, oh, you're like a tech death band. You're a tech death core band. And like, it's just metal, just metal. Yeah. Don't pigeonhole it. Like, just let it be what it is. Yeah. The, yeah. It's definitely the, it, it's a, I think we bring a great metal show. Like there's, there's circle pits, there's um, throwing down, you know, there's, there's wall of deaths, uh, there's fist pumping. Um, you know, a lot of us love hardcore music as well. And so to have that kind of bring a bit of hardcore energy as well as metal energy to to our show um, is uh, definitely what we're all about. And Dylan really feeds off the crowd, like I'm sure a lot of front men do. So, you know, if uh, he gets a bit bummed out sometimes, if the if the crowd are very much like watchers rather than doers. And uh, I'm always having to tell him, like, you know, I was what like I I tend to like look at the crowd a lot when I when I'm playing and and like try my make eye contact with people that are really digging it and that's like really fun for me to do. So you know, I often tell tell Dylan if it you know it's still a good show. Like I I was getting vibes off people in the crowd. You know, just because just because they were watching and absorbing doesn't mean they were enjoying it. But um, but he's still like, yeah, I know, man. Like, yeah, but the. You know, it's such a big thing for me. The energy, like, if, if there's no pits and stuff, like, it's so hard. And I've heard from other front men that, like, you know, it's, uh, it's, just, yeah, it's. They've given me the perspective of, yeah, it's, it's hard if you're that type of person that just needs to feed off other people's energy at at the show. Um, it's all right for me. I normally can't see a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just like smoke and. Just smoke and lights. I can't see a thing. They can't see me. I'm in my own world. It's great. You hear that from a lot of drummers, actually. You know, they just kind of they just go like they're in. They got their in ears in. They can hear what they need to, and they just you know just do their thing. Meditation. (laughs) Literally, literally, for me. Yeah. So you've just finished up the tour with Signs of the Swarm. Were there any particular highlights from that run of dates? Just getting to hang with all of our like previous touring friends again. It was great um yeah it, there was lots of new faces with like the mental cruelty guys because they've had uh like lineup changes and um some of their members were actually ill so they couldn't make it on the tour so they had like a filling guitarist that guy called yandra i got on well really well with and um yeah it was just like another awesome tour because we got to be with so, around so many friends um i think something like four or five of the shows were sold out so everything was great to be honest like I, I, it's no complaints from me on that tour it was a really really good time yeah yeah it was a it was a really good tour and it felt and um, straight away it was like part two it felt like part two for us because it was 2019 we were with um, mental cruelty on the sounds of carnage tour that was with rings of satin and Necrobicon. 
And um, but yeah, there was only one original member that was actually on the tour, as, as Joel was saying. But um, it was lovely to meet all the new guys, and yeah, it just felt like part two of that. And then with Signs of the Swarm, they were on the Decapitator tour with us last year, and um, it just yeah, it just felt like we were carrying on from then. Uh, except they were the headliners, you know. <laughs> Um, London, London was an amazing show, a uh, big, big one for us. I feel like uh, we we love playing the underworld, and that's really it was a sold out show, which is obviously big thing for Signs of the Swarm because it was their headline show, and that's something that we'd love to be able to do in the near future, like get to the point where we can sell out the underworld and sim similar similar size venues. It's what what, what I think we're working towards, you know. <laughs> Right, we're going to move now on to the quickfire questions. So we've got eight random questions. We've got a whole bunch of them, but we uh, give them a good shuffle. And we've got eight for you guys, so whatever comes into your head first, just go with it. (laughs) So what was the first gig that you watched? Steps, Party in the Park. Nice. Wasn't expecting that. (laughs) No, I, I did not see that coming. Uh, first thing that pops into my head is probably um, like li- like seeing it live rather than on TV. Yeah. Uh, I, the first thing that pops into my head is I think they were called Flood of Red, this Scottish band. But they came, I used to live on the Isle of Man and they came over to the Isle of Man and uh, it was in a small pub and it was crazy. Like, the pub got destroyed. <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a good one. Um, might not have been the first gig, but that's the first thing that I can remember. What are your favourite crisps? I was talking about this the other day. I wouldn't say Monster Munch, Flaming Hot. I think it's got to be Skips because I love prawn cocktail flavour. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was thinking about them the other day. <laughs> I don't think we've had either of those flavours before. I thought someone has said Skips, but I can't remember who. I've I've literally just done a poll on uh, my Instagram feed or my story of. Um, because I needed to settle a similar debate last night of what's better of the knickknacks flavor, the ribs and saucy or nice and spicy. So I've got to ask you two what your what your picks would be. Ooh, just from the knickknacks. Yeah, and the scampi ones don't count. The scampi ones can get in the bin. I don't care who says <laughs> anyone who says that scampi ones are good. You're, you're wrong. You're illegal. Like it's ribs and saucy or nice and spicy. I'd go nice and spicy. I think they're the classic. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll probably do the same. I would do the same too. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll add it to the poll. <laughs> it's funny because I said flaming hot monster munch, monster munch, and I haven't had that in years. But it was like the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> so clearly, I need to go down the shop and get a packet. You know, that's <laughs> it. I'm straight out for some knickknacks, like a, a variety pack, just yeah. to find a work out which one, just to make sure I'm right. Yeah, purely, it's purely scientific. Yeah. <laughs> what was the last song you listened to? So. I was at a musical last night, which count, I guess counts, but like I can't say what the song was. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember what the pl- the musical was called. It was really good. It was about the um, uh, it was about the artist called uh, I can't remember his surname. It, his name's George, and he's the guy that did the first person to do like the the dots, like kind of um, oh, like the Damien Hirst dot, maybe like like that kind of collection. Yeah, it's like it's uh, where like he does like a, for example, like a um, a dot of yellow and a dot of. I'm going to get it wrong now. I'm not an artist. Dot of yellow, dot of blue. I think they're they're next to each other, and the eyes see green. So it's science as well as art. Pretty nuts. I 
I have just remembered Dylan's favourite band, Dance Gavin Dance. That's his favourite band. Oh, yeah, yeah. But also, it could be Parkway Drive. It could be Old Parkway. Um, so now that's out of the way, and I've, that's finally out of my head. Um, I think Zwielicht going into Symphony of a Dying Star is probably the last song I listened to uh, by Mental Cruelty, because something about like that intro song going into symphony is just like sick and like every night on tour i made sure i watched it so that was a really really good experience about that tour as well the um the musical i think it's called sunday in the park with george right yes yeah yeah and it's a it's about that um george Seurat. Seurat. Seurat, is it yeah yeah like um yeah it was really cool it was in a tiny little theater in guildford and um there, there was no stage like we were in the front row as well and it was just like like they're all right in front of us and i think like there was just like piano piano cello and violin were the only instruments but yeah it was, it was really great so that they were they were the last songs i listened to uh, but i can tell you any of the names of them <laughs> what was the first album you owned i think it was five five uh is it invincible Ooh. I was I was a ma- I was a massive fly fan when I was a kid. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many things that I was not expecting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't remember the first album I owned, but I can remember the picking up the my first album for the first time from um weirdly enough Blockbuster when it was still around when they apparently had uh, CDs in there, but I picked up uh, And Justice for All by Metallica because uh, my friend Leo at the time, he, he used to just like download all the albums. So, you know, I'm sure he'd be really good friends with Lars <laughs> Um And he was like, oh man, you've got to get this like album, And Justice for All. And like he showed me Blackened for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a sick riff. And uh, I just walked down to Blockbuster instead of HMV, which was just further down the road. Um, and they had it. So I was like, I'm buying it. And it was like, Eight ninety nine at the time, which is insane for pricing on albums compared to how much they are now. Uh, I've seen some go for like sixteen ninety nine, which is crazy. But um, yeah, that's that's like the first album I've ever like physically owned by myself. Yeah, I think I think my dad then uh, shortly after got out got out his uh, Black Sabbath Paranoid vinyl and was like, "Son, listen to this." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> almost like a passing of the torch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like when I was uh, a young kid, like probably, yeah, between the age of five and ten, I was a sucker for sucker for like boy band music. <laughs> it's just like, but then my like my parents like listened to a lot of you know classic rock and classic metal like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and, and stuff like that. But then my mum was into Bon Jovi and my dad liked Oasis as well. So we had such like it's kind of all rock realm with pop tick like tingled in there but it was uh yeah there's always like a variety of music in my house and uh, i always remember i always think fond- fondly back to friday nights at my house where it was kind of like a family thing where my dad would like put on a load of different music and we just sort of like chill as a family and listen to it good memory so what's your favorite film aliens that was quick man <laughs> that was very quick i've literally downstairs got like a massive uh like 3d poster of the film like i love it so much it's hands down the best film ever made uh probably lord of the rings for me the lord of the rings trilogy does that count it's not a film but it's a trilogy 
Well, it's all, I suppose, yeah. It, yeah, I see, I see it's counting so. as one. Yeah. The, uh, one long story. It is it? one long story, yeah. <laughs> Very long. Yeah. It's like, I try not to think about modern ones. Because like, if you think if you think about like the most recent films, then you're like, oh, that maybe that one, that one, and then I was just like, no, of all time, first thing that comes to your head. <laughs> Who was the last band you watched live? Probably Signs of the Swarm. Oh yeah, I was I was <laughs> from the tour that we did. Yeah, I was gonna say Periphery because like I thought straight back to the last headline at Radar Fest. Uh, Radar Festival, yeah. Uh, or the last headliner that I watched at Radar Festival, and but then I was like, oh yeah, I was on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i guess signs of the storm or oh, did did we watch them you know <laughs> okay, so sometimes on tour you don't like after you played your set you want to go get food or you want to chill and stuff like that but definitely watched them a bunch of times though on that tour mm. if you could be a biscuit what biscuit would you be anything from the fox's range to be honest or maybe um i can't remember like the proper name for them they're kind of like a custard cream but like the fox's version of it and it's like the biscuits like really really crunchy but then like it's like a buttermilk cream on the inside and it's just like it's oh i know which ones you're on about yeah that's probably the one i'll do i reckon a, i reckon a hobnob <laughs> yeah my, my my favorite is it's the uh biscuit of uh camping choice i think nice yeah definitely packet of hobnobs yeah <laughs> i feel like that's really british as well <laughs> Final quickfire one then. What would be your dream tour lineup? And you can include yourselves on that if you want to. Do you want one each from us? Or... Yeah. I, I've got to really think about this. <laughs> <laughs> How many bands? Entirely up to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's your it's your tour, not ours. <laughs> I reckon for me, headliner Gojira, main support the Black Dahlia Murder. Then, then us. That would be sick. <laughs> and then, I don't. Know, I mean, that'd probably be enough. But I mean, after I would put us maybe like second or third because we've only ever big tours. We've only ever opened for so far. So like, we we really want to like be the second or third band for the next one. Put our we can put our boys from uh, Beyond Extinction to open for us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our our merch manager, um, Jasper. His uh, his band Beyond Extinction, they'd, they'd be a good opener. Yeah, really solid. I think for me, I'm trying to think of like what bands like individually have like significant influence on me. So maybe like old Slipknot headlining. So like up to like All Hope Is Gone. Um, we'll, we'll raise a few people from the dead, you know. Um, then Kajira supporting them. Fear Factory supporting Gojira, and then I'll throw us on there and put Beyond Extinction opening. Yeah, I'll probably throw Rivers of Nile into uh, into the lineup oh. of mine. <laughs> That's a good one too. That's a good one. Yeah, they were great. Oh, that uh, touring with those guys last year was just uh, a dream. I think every band with, that was on that tour said the same thing. Just like all five bands were just actually, I'll just I'll just scrap everything I've said and just say that faces a death tour that we did with rivers of nile is literally my dream tour because it's a tour which was for like a significant length of time every single person in every one of those bands was lovely to be around no one was like a nuisance or like difficult to be with all the all the bands were amazing everyone performed incredibly well that entire tour it was literally just a dream to be a part of um 
and that's not that's that's not even giving them enough praise as well like they deserve so much more praise as well we prepared ourselves for the worst as well yeah because um you know whenever you're like uh well because we're we're still like a small band compared to like the other bands are on that tour we're we always kind of think okay you know this could this could be one of those tours that could be super difficult like you know what you call it a bit bit of a hierarchy with the like headliners and stuff like that yeah so we prepared ourselves for the worst and it was just like the complete opposite i think uh because those we arrived at the first venue before just before them and they were all on the bus and we were in a sleeper van and uh i think they'd all they were all kind of like oh yeah should we like you know mess with them and stuff like that you know just as a bit of a joke to start off with and i think they, they said that they met us and we were just all so nice to them when when they got there we we're like we can't do that to the, these guys <laughs> <laughs> so like literally from like the moment we met them it was just like yeah it was just like a, a family pretty much straight away um but especially well after the first show because you know like you got to make sure that everybody's like efficient and like getting on with like the sound checks and can actually do their job well rather than like being like slow and lazy and unprofessional and then once we were over that hurdle it was like all right everybody's good with that it was just like a dream so yeah and like if anyone like needed anything like it, it didn't matter what band you were in like everyone was there to just help everyone like they just everyone wanted to make sure everyone else was having a good time and enjoying themselves in the tour because i think every single band including us had been you know, we've all done tours for a number of years and we've all had good and bad experiences and everyone just wanted to make sure it was just a consistent of, like, good experience. Well, that's the last of the quickfire. So we'll get back to the normal questions now. So talking about Dolby Altfest, how did you get added to the lineup? And have you, been to the, you guys been to the festival before? I don't think we've... Yeah, I don't think we've played or been... We all live in the south. Well, apart from Joel now, who's in Liverpool. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm a northerner. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we played, but we we played. Um, we played the venue maybe three times before for different like all dayers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just uh, the, one of the organisers, Liam, just hit us up and said, "I'd like like you guys to play," and we had a quick discussion. We we're like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, it'd be a be a good show. We like playing that venue, and I think I think we've got some some um, followers in around that area. So, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Mm, same. Looks like it's going to be busy as well. Yeah, it, from kind of like what we've um, been seeing, I, I think it is going to be absolutely packed. Yeah, I can't believe it's uh, it's like that many days at the same venue. You know, that's quite a quite a big big one for um unearthed music for yeah for doing that and they got some got some uh, pretty solid bands on the lineup yeah they've, sh- they've really shown an investment and kind of commitment to it so it looks like it's going to be really good definitely and just want to talk a bit about your artwork because you've got some really cool artwork on both the music and your merch as well is that something that's designed within the band or do you work with other people on that it's a little bit of both like um i think for Band artworks, not including merchandise, but maybe a few pieces of merchandise back in the day, I would always draw up like rough um, 
sketch designs of everything because I, I used to do art a lot as a kid before I just gave up to it and focused on music entirely. Um, and then I would send those to the guys. Some of them would say yes, yeah, some of them would say no, and then we'd all sort of like decide on which ones we liked from what I'd drawn. And then we'd just fire them off to other uh, creative types who uh, are, are far better and far more skilled than us uh, coming up with designs and they'll take those designs and um, really evolve them into what they are now. And um, I think for a lot of our designs, we've gone with a guy called Shindy, who's done... He did the... He did the... Uh, he's done for us. Just compelled, Was it just compelled to suffer? But he also did like some merch pieces as well. He did. Um, yeah, Shindy designed did um, the Compelled to Suffer artwork. And then what usually happens is like once we've... Well, when we sort of commission somebody to work for us, we usually say like you know can can we include in the price like getting the like the the photoshop files so that then we can manipulate them into into merch designs and stuff like that so which um milky or chris our bassist um he does a a lot of the graphic design he basically does all the graphic design for merch um and then uh if if the inspiration's not really there or it's something that he thinks that we need somebody else to do then we'll outsource the work and uh, but even even then when whenever we outsource we always like you know can we like for a little bit more or like in the same price can we get like the the full like the full workable files because they might manipulate even more you know and stuff like that and it's uh yeah so um yeah the, the all the designs are pretty much in the band from the band but we also do work with some external artists and a lot of time if we like working with somebody we go back to them you know create that sort of relationship that um that yeah we can just go back back to them every time and uh are you guys gonna have merch at the festival yeah definitely (laughs) definitely have you ever seen the harbinger merch stand i don't think we did because it was a um yeah we didn't go near the merch much at mangata no it was a bit tucked away yeah like for a lot of at the start of the festival at mangata we didn't even realize where the merch was because it was just kind of like stuck in that corner and just genuinely didn't realise where it was. And we just spent all day kind of like wandering around going, I wish I'd got some merch, everybody got merch here. Yeah, there was a, you were restricted to a certain amount of time and a certain amount of items um, at Mangata. And yeah, there wasn't a lot of room as well. So um, it might be the same at Derby Altfest, um, but hopefully they've got like a decent amount of space. But yeah, we we'll definitely have merch, merch with us. Like that's a, like where, uh, I guess like we love we love our merch and it's like part of a a big part of the band as well. Um it's almost like we have a clothing brand as well as being a band. Um mm. it's it's something that we invest a lot of time and money into and um you know it's uh as you probably know it's the it's the thing that keeps the wheel turning for for most bands these days. So it's uh, we'll definitely have some and uh hopefully some New stuff. We sold out of a lot of stuff on the sound, uh, Signs of Swarm tour, so we'll uh, hopefully have some new stock for it. It's the Friday night that you're playing at Derby Alt Fest then, so is it just Friday that you're going to be there, or are you going to be around for the whole of the festival? I don't think we've fully decided yet. Depends on, yeah. I think potentially just the Friday, just because of we all have like a, a lot of set. We have some very, very much separate lives outside of the band. That sometimes, yeah, I'll be, I'll be down just for the Friday because I've got to get back to Liverpool. Yeah, and plus we've also in the last meeting we had there was a suggestion that maybe we should do the show, then spend some time together the 
next couple of days to to work on some music so see what happens though that's still still to be determined and then after Dolby Altfest have you got any more live dates planned this year no I think uh we're at well there's there's one gig after Dolby Altfest which is a private gig uh because somebody has booked us for their wedding oh cool (laughs) yeah that's So uh, that's amazing. Yeah, some some uh, a, a couple in uh, I think they're based in Swansea or somewhere in South Wales. Anyway, they've um, yeah they they just inquired like whether we could play their wedding. It's going to be like a very different vibe. Like they wanted it to be quirky and uh, like when we play, they want it to be like kind of like a a gig and stuff like that. And so it's it's going to be an interesting one for us because first time we're doing something like that. It's it's at a proper wedding venue, but it's like going to be very like dark and, and quirky and the the couple want it to they wanted different things to like show off aspects of their relationship and yeah quite honored that we were we're one of those things so that that would be really fun and interesting for us to do um but that's it after that because we want to do that thing we were talking about before and just stop booking shows for the rest of the year and actually use the use the time to get together and finish off some new music so that we actually have new music to play for gigs next year. Awesome. So thank you so much, Joel and Charlie, for coming on. It's been great to have a chat with you and we'll look forward to seeing you in a few weeks in Derby. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for having us. See you soon. That's the end of that episode then. So thank you as always for listening. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Charlie and Joel. Keep an eye out on our socials for more content in the lead up and after Derby Altfest. We're on Instagram, Twitter and threads at Ready to Mosh Cast and Facebook, TikTok and YouTube at Ready to Mosh. And we'll be back again soon with another episode. Make it mosh, Moog.